0: Book fifteen. Chapter six. The Antiquities of the Jews. Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Peter. The Antiquities of the Jews. Volume three. By Flavius Josephus. Translated by William Whiston. Book fifteen. Chapter six. How Herod slew Hyrcanus, and then hasted away to Caesar and obtained the kingdom from him also and how a little time afterward he entertained caesar in a most honorable manner herod's other affairs were now very prosperous and he was not to be easily assaulted on any side yet did there come upon him a danger that would hazard his entire dominions, after antony had been beaten at the battle of actium by caesar octarian for at that time both herod's enemies and friends despaired of his affairs for it was not probable that he would remain without punishment, who had showed so much friendship for Antony. So it happened that his friends despaired and had no hopes for his escape. But for his enemies, they all outwardly appeared to be troubled at his case, but were privately very glad of it, as hoping to obtain a change for the better. As for Herod himself, he saw that there was no one of royal dignity left by Hyrcanus and therefore he thought it would be for his advantage not to suffer him to be an obstacle in his way any longer, for that in case he himself survived and escaped the danger he was in, he thought it the safest way to put it out of the power of such a man to make an attempt against him. At such junctures of affairs, as was more worthy of the kingdom than himself, and in case he should be slain by Caesar, his envy prompted him to desire to slay him that would otherwise be king after him. While Herod had these things in his mind, there was a certain occasion afforded him, for Hyrcanus was of so mild a temper both then and at other times that he desired not to meddle with public affairs, nor to concern himself with innovations, but left all to fortune, and contented himself with what that afforded him. Alexandra, his daughter, was a lover of strife and was exceeding desirous of a change of the government and spake to her father not to bear forever Herod's injurious treatment of their family, but to anticipate their future hopes, as he safely might and desired him to write about these matters to Malchus, who was then governor of Arabia, to receive them and to secure them from Herod, for that if they went away and herod's affairs proved to be as it was likely they would be by reason of caesar's enmity to him they should then be the only persons that could take the government and this both on account of the royal family they were of and on account of the good disposition of the multitude to them while she used these persuasions Hyrcanus put off her suit but as she showed that she was a woman and a contentious woman too and would not desist either night or day but would always be speaking to him about these matters and about herod's treacherous designs she at last prevailed with them to entrust docetius one of his friends with a letter wherein his resolution was declared and he desired the arabian governor to send to him some horsemen who should receive him and conduct him to the lake asphaltites which is from the bounds of Jerusalem three hundred furlongs. And he did therefore trust Ossithius with this letter, because he was a careful attendant on him, and on Alexandra, and had no small occasion to bear ill will to Herod, for he was a kinsman of one Joseph, whom he had slain, and a brother of those that were formerly slain at Tyre by Antony. Yet could not these motives induce Ossithius to serve in this affair for preferring the hopes he had from the present king to those he had from him he gave herod the letter so he took his kindness in good part and bid him besides do what he had already done that is go on in serving him by rolling up the epistle and sealing it again and delivering it to malchus and then to bring back his letter in answer to it for it would be much better if he could know malchus's intentions also and the scythius was very ready to serve him in this point also the arabian governor returned back for answer that he would receive Hyrcanus and all that should come with him and even all the jews that were of his party that he would moreover send forces sufficient to secure them in their journey and that he should be in no want of anything he should desire now as soon as herod had received this letter he immediately sent for Hyrcanus and questioned him about the league he had made with Malchus, and when he denied it, he showed his letter to the Crum and put the man to death immediately and This account we give the reader, as it is contained in the commemories of King Herod, but other historians do not agree with them, for they suppose that Herod did not find but rather make this an occasion for thus putting him to death, and thereby treacherously laying a snare for him, for thus do they write that Herod and he were once at a treat, and that Herod, given no occasion to suspect that he was displeased at him, but put this question to Hycanus, whether he had received any letters from Malchus, and when he answered that he had received letters but those of salutation only, and when he asked further whether he had not received any presents from him, and when he had replied that he had received no more than four horses to ride on which malchus had sent him they pretended that herod had charged these upon him as the crimes of bribery and treason and gave order that he should be led away and slain and in order to demonstrate that he had been guilty of no offence when he was thus brought to his end they alleged how mild his temper had been and that even in his youth he had never given any demonstration of boldness or rashness, and that the case was the same when he came to be but that he even then committed the management of the greatest part of public affairs to Antipater, and that he was now above four score years old, and knew that Herod's government was in a secure state, he also came over Euphrates, and left those who greatly honored him beyond that river though he were to be entirely under herod's government that it was a most incredible thing that he should enterprise anything by way of innovation and not at all agreeable to his temper but that this was a plot of herod's contrivance and this was the fate of hyacinous and thus did he end his life after he had endured various and manifold turns of fortune in his lifetime for he was made high priest of the Jewish nation in the beginning of his mother's Alexandrius reign, who held the government nine years, and when after his mother's death he took the kingdom himself and held it three months, he lost it by the means of his brother Aristobulus. He was then restored by Pompey, and received all sorts of honor from him, and enjoyed them forty years, but when he was again deprived by antigonus and was maimed in his body he was made captive by parthians and thence returned home again after some time on account of the hopes that herod had given him none of which came to pass according to his expectation but he still conflicted with many misfortunes though the whole course of his life and what was the heaviest calamity of all as we have related already he came to an end which was undeserved by him his character appeared to be that of a man of a mild and moderate disposition and suffered the administration of affairs to be generally done by others under him he was averse to much meddling with the public nor had shrewdness enough to govern a kingdom and both antipater and herod came to their greatness by reason of his mildness and at last he met with such an end from them as was not agreeable either to justice or piety now herod as soon as he had put Hycanus out of the way made haste to caesar and because he could not have any hopes of kindness from him on account of the friendship he had for antony he had a suspicion of alexandra lest she should take this opportunity to bring the multitude to a revolt and introduce a sedition into the fears of the kingdom. So he committed the care of everything to his brother, Pherouros, and placed his mother, Cyprus, and his sister, Salome, and the whole family at Masada, and gave him a charge that if he should hear any sad news about him, he should take care of the government. But as Mariam, his wife, because of the misunderstanding between her and his sister, and his sister's mother which made it impossible for them to live together he placed her at alexandrium with alexandra her mother and left his treasurer joseph and Sohemus of Ituria, to take care of that fortress these two had been very faithful to him from the beginning and were now left as a guard to the women they also had it in charge that if they should hear any mischief had befallen him they should kill them both and as far as they were able to Preserve the kingdom for his sons and for his brother feroros when he had given them this charge he made haste to rhodes to meet caesar and when he had sailed to that city he took off his diadem but remitted nothing else of his usual dignity and when upon his meeting him he desired that he would let him speak to him he therein exhibited a much more noble specimen of a great soul for he did not betake himself to supplications as men usually do upon such occasions nor offered him any petition as if he were an offender but after an undaunted manner gave an account of what he had done for he spake thus to caesar that he had the greatest friendship for antony and did everything he could that he might attain the government that he was not indeed in the army with him because the arabians had diverted him but that he had sent him both money and corn which was but too little in comparison of what he ought to have done for him or if a man owes himself to be another's friend and knows him to be a benefactor he is obliged to hazard everything to use every faculty of his soul every member of his body and all the wealth he hath for him in which i confess i have been too deficient however i am conscious to myself that so far i have done right i have not deserted him upon his defeat at actium nor upon the evident change of his fortune have i transferred my hopes from him to another but have preserved myself though not as a valuable fellow-soldier yet certainly as a faithful counsellor to antony when i demonstrated to him that the only way that he had to save himself and not to lose all his authority was to slay cleopatra for when she was once dead there would be room for him to retain his authority and rather to bring thee to make a composition with them than to continue at enmity any longer none of which advices would he attend to but preferred his own rash resolution before them which have happened unprofitably for him but profitably for thee now therefore in case thou determinest about me and my alacrity in serving antony according to thy anger at him i own there is no room for me to deny what i have done nor will i be ashamed to own and that publicly too that i had a great kindness for him but if thou wilt put him out of the case and only examine how i behave myself to my benefactors in general and what sort of friend i am thou wilt find by experience that we shall do and be the same to thyself for it is by changing the names and the firmness of friendship that we shall bear to thee will not be disapproved by thee by this speech, and by his behavior which showed Caesar the frankness of his mind, he greatly gained upon him, who was himself a generous and magnificent temper, and so much that those very actions which were the foundations of the accusations against him procured him Caesar's good will. Accordingly, he restored him his diadem again, and encouraged him to exhibit himself as a great friend to himself, as he had been to Antony and then had him in great esteem moreover he added this that quintus deirdas had written to him that herod had very readily assisted him in the affair of the gladiators so when he had obtained such a kind reception and had beyond all his hopes procured his crown to be more entirely and firmly settled upon him than ever by caesar's donation as well as by that decree of the romans which caesar took care to procure for his greater security he conducted caesar on his way to egypt and made presents even beyond his ability to both him and his friends and in general behaved himself with great magnanimity he also desired that caesar would not put to death one alexander who had been a companion of antony but caesar had sworn to put him to death and so he could not obtain that his petition. And now he returned to Judea again with greater honor and assurance than ever, and affrighted those that had expectations to the contrary, and still acquiring from his very dangers greater splendor than before by the favor of God to him. So he prepared for the reception of Caesar, as he was going out of Syria to invade Egypt. And when he came, he entertained him at Plutalamus. With all royal magnificence he he also bestowed presents on the army and brought with them provisions in abundance he also proved to be one of caesar's most cordial friends and put the army in array and rode along with caesar and had a hundred and fifty men well appointed in all respects after a rich and sumptuous manner for the better reception of him and his friends he also provided them with what they should want and as they passed over the dry desert insomuch that they lacked neither wine nor water which last and the soldiers stood in the greatest need of and besides he presented caesar with eight hundred talents and procured to himself the good will of them all because he was assisting to them in a much greater and more splendid degree than the kingdom he had obtained could afford by which means he more and more demonstrated to caesar the firmness of his friendship And his readiness to assist him. And what was the greatest advantage to him was this, that his liberality came at a seasonable time also. And when they returned again out of Egypt, his assistances were no way inferior to the good offices he had formerly done them. End of book fifteen, chapter six, recording by Peter.